In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Okay, so, um, here's a disturbing question, but an appropriate one. Yikes, I'm scared. Um, an appropriate one because it, this is our Halloween episode, and so, and you've chosen Ooh. a rather violent film for it. Um, yes. But, so, this is a two-part question. Uh, okay. Part one is... Do you think you could actually kill someone? <laughs> okay. And part two of the question is, what would be your weapon of choice? <sighs> that Those are great questions. Um, I was very curious what your question would be. Even as I was watching it, I was like, what will she ask me? I feel like it will be a moral question. <laughs> I mean, um, that's pretty much the heart and soul of this thing. Yeah. Could I kill someone? Oh, maybe an addendum need- to that question is uh, for the purpose of survival. Okay, so self-defense. Yeah, I think so. Um Okay, well, self-defense. Okay, let's let's make it a an a, like yes, think about self-defense, but then also think about just like straight up murdering someone. Could I do yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So in like in self-defense, I would like to think that I could. I don't think it would be like easy peasy. Um but it, in a general sense, could I kill someone? I really think that depends. <laughs> I I would love to have like I would love to have the moral answer of like absolutely not never and I would say like 99.9% of the time that would probably be my answer but there's some like shitty ass people out there (laughs) sure sure and and like like for hmm, there's a quote in this movie that like no I don't I guess I don't want to say that but like yeah, it would be okay. It would be a struggle because I don't really like blood. Yeah. I don't really as much as I love horror movies and I do kind of like gore, I don't I don't like real life violence. Right. It freaks me out. Well, that goes so I do to the weapon think, of choice situation. I know. So I do think that it would be I do think in a real life setting, I don't actually think I could kill someone. I think in a fantasy world when, you know, there are certain people that might be like, well, that person's a piece of shit. I'd just like to kill them. Like, it's easy to go there. Right. But I do think that, like, real-life violence freaks me out too much. I don't think I could do it. Um, 
unless again, really, really push the edge of like self-defense, like this is my life or your life, like, you know, fighting, um, weapon of choice because of what I just said, I think, gosh, it's tough because again, the blood and like, I don't think I'd be good at hand to hand combat or like stabbing someone. I think that would feel really gross, but I also really don't like guns. Yeah, I think anything super, um, like, close quarters, close contact is way harder for people to do than anyone actually really knows or understands. Um, Yeah. Like, even serial killers have said, like, the first person I killed, I thought it was going to be way easier. They don't just drop, like, in the movies. You know, like... Um, absolutely. And like how exhausting, I mean, they talk about this and like creepy, like true crime things all the time, like how hard it is to actually like stab someone multiple times. Right. Or even strangle them. Physically demanding. Strangle them, suffocate them with a pillow. Like all these things are a lot more difficult physically. I think I would, I think I would have to go, I think I would have to go with like a gun situation Mm -hmm. because that's like the, the least like watching somebody suffer. (laughs) Sure. Um, but, but I really don't like guns. So that would be rough for me too. I think I'm not equipped for any of it, (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) but maybe like, Ooh, gosh, I don't know. Like hitting someone over the head with the two by four. Maybe I don't know. (laughs) Well, even that's a lot harder. Like that's the thing. Knocking someone out. I think that's like a physical. Yeah. Really? I don't even mean like to kill them by hitting them on the head is super hard, but even just to knock somebody out. Yes. To knock somebody out is really actually quite difficult as well. Um, I think in terms of my physical prowess, I would have to go with a gun. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but that would be rough. That would be rough too because I don't know how to shoot a gun. So it could be very, it could be a problem for myself. I could end up killing myself. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what about you? Could you kill someone and what would your weapon be? Well, weapon wise, super easy. I'm surprised you've not thought of this. Just an empty syringe of air into their veins as they sleep. And then. What in the fuck? That just becomes a heart attack eventually. Okay, you're creepy. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that was a thing. And you say that, like, I can't believe you didn't think of that. Like, that's a normal thing for someone to know. I'm surprised you didn't know that from all the crime shows. That's how I know it is from crime shows. I know. I guess maybe I should. Or, you know what? Of course. I was just literally listening to a podcast today about, like, a black widow killer. So, poisoning. Yes. That would be my... I would poison, poison someone. Poisoning. But see, the th- the beauty of the air in vein. Now, you do have to actually get it into their vein. You can't just jam it into their muscle. Um, and, but that's the thing, is you put it in there, and then you just wait, and then you're long gone by the time anything happens. <laughs> Yeah, the only problem with that for me over poisoning, even though with poisoning, like, it's more detectable, obviously, but I don't like needles and veins, yeah. even with just air. I don't I fair don't think enough. I like that, the feeling of, like, poking that in somebody. Yeah, and to be fair, I've not tried 
to ever inject anyone with anything. You've not done that. Um, I don't, I'm not someone who like has a condition where I would be injecting myself with anything. So I don't have like a lot of frame of reference for like the actual physicality of that. But in terms of like, yeah, um, yeah, I feel like I could get there a lot more easily than even using a gun or certainly not anything bloodier than that. Um, And in terms of like the, could I do it? Um, you know, yeah, similar, like if it's for self-defense, I'd like to think I'd kind of scramble my way to doing it if it meant my survival. (laughs) Um, but like if it's in the context of this movie where it's like, you just would never get in trouble if you did. I don't know. Because I know. Well, I think the the thing thing would be is that it would like haunt Let's say maybe I do it exactly. Once. I do it once to see what it's like. I've I've decide like give it a whirl, yeah. whatever. I think like yeah. the one time would be enough, probably. Like after that, I would be yeah. racked with some kind of like what made guilt. you do this? Yeah, but like not only the guilt itself, <laughs> but also just like compulsive thoughts about it. You know, like. Um, sure. So I think it. Well, that's what's. Yeah. Well, that's what's an interesting thing about this movie. They do not deal with that. They do no. not deal. With, I mean, we'll talk about what this movie is in a second. But like, they do not deal with any of the fallout <laughs> of killing per se. Well, and, and go ahead, go on. Well, and like, yeah. There's a lot more that goes into it. And this movie also assumes that kind of, it kind of assumes what you just said was once you do it once, you kind of get it out of your system. You felt what it feels like. And now you're like cleansed of that. I would be afraid. I'll be honest. And this is dark. I'd be afraid if I killed somebody. What if you liked it? What if I enjoyed it? Well, I think this movie scarier almost. This movie certainly shows us that that is what some people experience. Um, Yeah. um, And I think the other thing to kind of consider is like, you know, just because something is illegal, you know, doesn't necessarily alleviate you from the potential ethical and moral feelings you might feel as a result of this. But then as well, right. um, I mean, the way you were talking about like the, the perhaps trauma that emerges from the decisions that people make in this movie. The other thing I kind of now that I'm, I was thinking as you were talking, like it's kind of a bit like the way um, the violence in this movie and the way it's sold to people is the kind of violence that we see in like military conflicts, right? That... Mm-hmm. Um, that you're on the right side, so you should never feel fucked up about what you do in in the context of that. Right. right? Which, of course, right. as we actually know, is that people who serve in military that conflicts still feel fucked up about it. You know, like, it's like... It's, a million percent. It's like I've still taken a human life, even if I agree that the reason that this was happening was, like, a good reason, and I support you know, whatever was going on. It's still a traumatic experience. And I think that's... I I mean, even if you, like... Go on. Sorry. 
Oh, I was going to say, like, even if you killed, let's say, an intruder in your house right. and someone was coming in and they're a burglar and you killed them, that's still traumatic. Even if maybe they did, you know, maybe that is legal, maybe it was uh, justifiable, right. whatever, in that moment, You that is still a burden to carry. Right. And I think, like, to me, the way this movie, to the extent it tells us about the wider world of how this is happening... Um, yeah. It kind of operates in a very similar way to how American and not only American culture does treat people who have been in military conflicts, which is like, Mm -hmm. there is no problem. Don't ever mention it. Like, right. Um, right. You're really being kind of a buzzkill if you (laughs) raise what could potentially be kind of ethical quandaries coming out of mm-hmm. this conflict. So, cu- quite yeah. a lot to discuss. Quite a lot here, obviously. Um, I yeah. now know, apparently, I could be a stone-cold killer if I felt the need. Apparently. And I would have, apparently, relatively little compunction about it until afterward. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm a little scared of you now, if I'm honest. I mean, that's. I think that is actually kind of like what you. I want out of people all the time. I want every person I interact with to, like, have a little bit... To be afraid? ...of fear of me. Like, just a scotch. <laughs> like, maybe there's just, like, a tiny drip of pee that comes out every time you see me... Uh, like, Ew. like, cause it's fl- flight or fight syndrome. I'm like, oh no, she's here. Oh my god. Um, that's not really true. Yikes. Obviously, obviously. Well, um, but, what were you gonna say? But the thing about well, the thing about this movie, the poisoning and like in the arm. That doesn't seem uh, to be sleeping. what people are doing. That's probably not going to, you're not going to have a chance for a lot of that because first of all, you have 12 hours and it's a lot more in your face kind of violence. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. That's true. But so don't worry listeners though. I don't want you to fear me. Um, that was just a bit. Don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) though I feel the longer I go on about this, the less believable I sound. Uh, I know. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome to see you next week in space. I'm Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, Amy Walsh. And Amy, I imagine perhaps our listeners have already worked out what we're talking about this week, but why don't you tell anyone, everyone anyway? (laughs) We are talking about, uh, the 2013 classic, maybe, I don't know. I don't know The Purge. Um, this is the first of the Purge movies. Uh, mm-hmm. I, again, I forget you said there's five of them. There's a total of five. Yes. Yeah. So this is original flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, the IMDB description of this movie is that a wealthy family is held hostage for harboring the target of a murderous syndicate during the Purge, a 12 hour period in which any and all crime is legal. Um, and as... Okay. Go on. Sorry. I, are, two things really quick that this movie... Well, first thing that this movie solidified for me if I didn't already feel this way from watching enough, like, horror movies, I don't like big houses. I don't like mansions. <laughs> too I don't much like big room houses. for people to hide I, in. Too, way too much room. Just, like, if someone's going to break 
<laughs> sounds weird, but like if someone's gonna break into my house, like I'm gonna know it pretty much right away. Oh yeah, like and your living room scared, is also well, practically every other room in your house. So yeah, they're gonna be right next to me the minute they break in. But like, and that's scary in a different way. Correct. I guess. Yes. But like, at least I'm I'm not gonna be like caught off guard per se. Like, right. um. I don't I don't like a big giant dark house. No. And that's I feel like what's in every single horror movie ever. Well, yeah, you do especially I mean as well this movie um like it's really quite cheap in the grand scheme and it's because it's a single location too, right? Like there's yeah. I think that's probably also one of the reasons why horror movies often take place in like a single building or a single home. <laughs> Yeah, um, because it's just way way cheaper to film when you do that. Yeah, um, yeah. But so, and it's also scary. It's also a little scarier because even though what I just said would seem to like work against what I'm about to say, when you're in one location the whole time and you feel right. like you can't escape, escape it. Yeah then it starts to feel sort of claustrophobic. Even though we're in a big giant house, right. it starts to feel that like the trapped situation. Right. Well, just as as we learned at the start of the pandemic and those wonderful stars and celebrities were talking about, oh, it's so rough being stuck at home. And they were in their <laughs> palatial mansions with like beautiful gardens and pools and what have you. Um, it does show us that no matter what the size of home as and <laughs> indeed as we learned over the course of the pandemic and lockdowns and all um if you are stuck there with no ability to leave all of a sudden no matter what place you're in mm-hmm. is a fucking jail so like so then yes absolutely so then we're doing and i'm sure this exists so then we're doing a horror movie in jail um which is its own mm-hmm. feeling i feel is there, there must be horror mm-hmm. movies in jail. There've got to be, right? Oh, there's got to be. I don't know. I can't think of any, like, ones where, like, I actually think, uh, well, mm, it's a little different. I mean, there's definitely ones in psych wards, for right. sure. And then there's, like, but ghosts, I'm tr- like, haunted jail kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I don't, I can't think of, like, if there's, like, a serial, like, serial killer slasher type movie that takes place in a jail. That would I don't be really great know. also, though, then get on it somebody. Yeah. Um, somebody. In terms of <clears throat> some particulars about this, this is a Blumhouse movie. Um, and as you said, it is the starter to a franchise series of Purge films. All of the Purge films are anthologies. Um, so they're in the world, but not telling the story of the same family over and over again. Um, there's a mm-hmm. total of five of those, and there apparently was a TV show for a while. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. and so, I think that was relatively recent. Yes. Um, even the most recent Purge movie was in 2021, apparently. Um, yeah. And they all take place at kind of different points along the timeline, as well, um, so some of them mm-hmm. are. I know, as I said in our production call, um, there was one that happened that was meant to be the very first year of the purge, um, when the mm-hmm. like the first year the purge was done, and like so on. So there's quite a bit here um, because uh, though the critical take is that this movie is stupid and terrible, like every single critic 
Um, and as I was saying, as, so interesting as well is like I remember when this came out, people being like kind of stoked to see the movie, and then when they saw it, uh-huh. the the feeling was oh fucking stupid. I can't believe I spent twelve really? bucks on that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but I mean. I didn't remember that. The people in charge of this movie, though, are laughing themselves all the way to the bank because um, <laughs> the budget was $3 million. Like I said, you're shooting in one location. Cheap. Yeah. Um, and it made $89 yeah. million, dollars, the first one. Um, wow. And the franchises have gone on. That's why there are more movies. Like, they've all made money. Yeah, of um, course. And in fact, this was in the opening weekend, which I can't remember. Let me look what when in the year this was released. Um, I don't think this is meant to be a Halloween movie, um, though we are talking no, about it. No, it seems like a pretty... It could be released anytime. Yeah, no, it's... But it's... Um, yeah. Where is it? Where is it? When is the release date? Oh, uh, yeah, this is a summer, actually. So this is released mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. June 7th, 2013. Oh, it was my birthday movie. Yay. Um, so, Did you, oh, you didn't, you hadn't seen no, it. No, I have never seen this prior to this week. Um, so it's mm. a summer blockbuster situation. Um, and it, on the weekend it was released, it was the top movie um, in the U.S. So um, as much as people mm. seemed to think this movie was stupid on the back end or whatever after having watched it. Um, they all went to they it. They all went so. to it. And... And we'll talk more about this maybe as we go on, but I was thinking about this, like, why did people think it was stupid at the time or um, kind of formulaic or whatever they were? I think also I remember them saying, like, it was, like, heavy-handed with its political messaging. Um, Oh. And... I see. It's so funny because I would say in a 2022 world... Right. It doesn't feel that way. Correct. (laughs) Well, that's exactly right. Um, That... In 2013, when this movie was released, as much as the country was already on the path that we are now on, um, yeah, it still maybe felt preposterous that yeah um, that like where we are now could possibly be you know like the the timeline had, yeah had not fully diverged yet into the stupidest and most <laughs> ridiculous timeline like we are now um and so people right, probably right, right. were like this is re- i just uh, unbelievable you know and yeah um, people wouldn't possibly be this brutal or this barbaric or just this like kind of mm-hmm. um what's the word i'm looking for like primate like in their behaviors yeah. you know like uh, people just, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe had a hard time swallowing that in 2013. Whereas I think if this movie were released now, people would be like, oh, yeah, we get it. Um, so, <laughs> and we'll, I mean, I think it's almost like it's on the verge of being dangerous to release a yeah. movie like this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it, I would be curious to see what kind of updates maybe or tweaks would happen because... I actually think this yeah. movie is quite prescient in some ways of, like, it's not like it's smart. Like, it's pointing out things that already existed in American culture long before 2013. But it's prescient about, yeah. like, the way that movies would talk about these things 
going forward. You know, like mm-hmm. um, it's one of the first, maybe it, it probably isn't one of the first, but to me, it's really interesting that some of the themes that we would start to see emerge broadly speaking in horror movies, particularly racial dynamics get used here. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So in terms of the cast, uh, this is a real good cast. It's a small one, unsurprisingly. Um, so we start off with the uh, patriarch of the Sandin family. This whole movie uh, functions in the Sandin home. So this is James Sandin, mm-hmm. played by a 43-year-old Ethan Hawke, who, much like Arnold Schwarzenegger, seems to be another uh, beloved on our podcast. We've talked about a lot of movies with him <laughs> in them. Uh, so we don't really need I to... I like him a lot. I like him a lot. Um, I also kind of like... I didn't. I guess before doing this podcast, I didn't realize quite how much science fiction stuff he's been a part of. Yeah. Um, but it does seem mm-hmm. like a, a genre that he hangs out in pretty regularly, um, which is fun to me. I think there's even a kids movie that I've put on our list that has him as a like a ch- uh, a relative <laughs> child um doing something with like spaceships. Oh. So look to that at some point. No. Um in terms of his wife, this is Mary Sandin played by a 40-year-old Lena Headey um who again all anybody would have probably already known her actually by this point because Game of Thrones had already started being the juggernaut that it was going to be uh, by 2013. Um, but intriguingly, she's she, she plays she plays who in Game of Thrones? She plays Cersei the Lannister. that sister lady, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, she wears a blonde wig in that. Yeah. Um, so intriguingly for her. Uh, I, well, it was intriguing to me. She was born in Bermuda to British parents. Um, Hmm. and, uh, so she moved back to the UK with her family when she was about five and then, um, got noticed in some kind of, I don't know, student show or something. And it wasn't, she had no intention of being an actress, apparently, um, and Hmm. she was, and she's in her teens, she's 17 years old in this show um, an agent or casting director sees her, and then her uh, professional career starts almost immediately. Um, I hate people like I that so much. I know it's just like shocking. I'm just like, how could this be? But, but yeah, it's different. It's very different, and I'm I'm I am very curious. Like, if just discovering people, I just don't think discovering people. It happens the same way, like no. you're saying, yeah. basically, yeah, like yeah. just like a waitress at a right. at a bar. Right. It gets you like, oh really yes, beautiful. you are going to be like, the next. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but that, I don't feel like that happens. Right. But that being said, well, she didn't do maybe the more traditional pathway to success that would have been available to her at the time. She certainly put in. Um, Mm -hmm. her work like so her first credit is in 1992 and she doesn't really hit big until 2011 you know like so she's doing um a lot Mm -hmm. of shit moving up to that she does have some kind of good blips after the 2000s that bump up her recognition a bit she's in the brothers Grimm. um she's in 300 Hmm. 300 was probably her biggest thing prior to game of thrones um, she was in a TV show that I quite liked uh, called Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, 
Um, and so all of this, though, basically from the start, mm. she also had this kind of tough woman vibe, um, which intriguingly is not in this movie. It is not on display in this film. Um, she's much more of a kind of, oh, God, what are we going to do kind of wife in this movie um, <laughs> until the end. Yeah. Um, and unsurprisingly, her career is just going from strength to strength. I don't expect that we will. I mean, she'll probably keep acting until she doesn't want to anymore, is my guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. In terms of rounding out this family, uh, there is their son, Charlie Sandin, played by a 16 year old Max Burkholder, um, whose first credit was being a child in Daddy Daycare in 2003. Um, he also played a character, uh, called Max Braverman in the TV series of Parenthood, which if I remember the movie Parenthood, that means he was a rather central character. Um, he's done quite yeah. a bit of voice work throughout his childhood and into early adulthood. Um, and he was also on an episode of the Orville, which I don't recall seeing him, but he was there. Oh. Um, Next, there's a character, there's his sister, Zoe, um, played by a 23-year-old Adelaide Kane. Um, she is Australian. Um, and because of that... Uh, oh, is she? Yeah, she's Australian. She played um, a character called Lolly Allen on the very famous and now um, canceled Neighbors long-running um, mm. Primetime. So I feel like you've talked about that before. Yeah, well, because that's the thing is if you're an Australian actor and you've made it to the U.S. market, the likelihood that you'll either have been on Neighbors or on Home and Away, which is what one of the other characters in this cast has been on, um, like mm -hmm. you just that is like a proving ground. Um, like so Margot Robbie has been yeah. on Neighbors like all these people have been on Neighbors so if it's like just I forgot she was Australian yeah so it's it's often like a stop along the way to getting into the kind of it's like Law and Order yeah I think so um and yeah I I was for a while when I was watching this movie I was like is this Ethan Hawke's own daughter Maya and then, because I felt like she looked quite a lot no. like Maya Hawk, right? Didn't she? She does. But she isn't because she's old, much yeah, she older. she does, sort of. She's much older than Ma his I mean, Maya Hawk looks basically exactly like Uma Thurman to me. Ah, see, I feel like there's such a, she's such an equal pairing of the two of them. Like, I feel like yeah, she's, I mean, got that, the, yes. she's got the facial features more of Uma, but her coloring is... Ethan's yes that's coloring. true so um and I know that because I just watched that Netflix movie do revenge where she's one of the main characters and I was mm. sitting around thinking that like the whole time mm. of like which one do I think she looks more like <laughs> um but I did yeah. so I was having this thing of like is this her and then I was like no because I don't think Maya would have been old enough yet to be in this movie as a teenager. No. And, but I was having like a very weird like brain problem with that. Um, <laughs> but it turns out uh, Adelaide Kane has a career in her own right. She played Mary Stewart on the TV series Rain, which I can only assume has to do with Tudor family crap. Um, yeah. And then she's <laughs> got like various stuff coming down the track. Um, so she's had a quite solid career. 
even though I mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything other than this. Um, next, we have a character who is just who is name per IMDb is Bloody Stranger. Um, and can you imagine, can you imagine you're like, you get a call from your agent or your manager and it's like, Hey man, we've got a part for you. And it's like, what? Really? Wow. Great. Awesome. What's it called? Bloody stranger. And you're like, Hmm. Uh, I kind of love it. I think there's worse thing. I think, I think there's worse things that you could be. That's true. I would say like, like stupid stranger bad. Yeah, or, like, I've even seen, like, you know, girl at bar, big tit girl. Like, you know, there's, like, other ones that I feel like are more demeaning. (laughs) Idiotic man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, ugly guy. Like, honestly, like, I feel like there could be be worse ones. But, I mean, I would be concerned, perhaps, but I'd be like, hey, mate, that sounds maybe fun. I'm not too good for this role. I'll give it a whirl. So the person who, in the end took up this challenge was a 28-year-old Edwin Hodge. Um, And his first credit is in 1995. He's some kind of extra in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um, Hmm. And much like Lena Headey, he has done a lot of, like, work um, to kind of make his way Mm -hmm. into the acting world. Lots of small TV and movie roles over the course of the 90s and into the early 2000s. Um, he, I think, is one of the only actors to appear in multiple different Purge movies, um, though not all oh, of them. Um, and he seems to be now in like a few different TV series that I've never heard of, but have the kind of they seem like one of some of those more high end prestige TV series kind of things. Mm. Um, so again, he's he his he's doing what quite a lot of people. Um, do which is like I'm taking every job as long as I'm booking stuff I'm a success and you know if this leads to something a bit more like now I'm a tv star or a movie star great but I like I'll just keep going and going um and that will be how I'll have my success so um I presume that he will continue to be around going forward um and perhaps uh, move into kind of a higher echelon in time. Um, and finally, we have a character identified as the polite leader. And this is played by a 25... <laughs> I know. I don't know if polite leader maybe doesn't quite capture it to me. But... Um, Not quite. <laughs> but, you know, maybe that's showing a bit of his white privilege. But hey... Um, this is sure. played by a 25-year-old. Right, bloody stranger versus polite leader. Indeed, and we'll learn more I, I would, about... I would say that characterizes them a very specific yeah, way. Yeah, there's a dichotomy there. Um, so this is played <laughs> by a 25-year-old Reese Wakefield, who, again, is also Australian. Um, and in his case, he played hmm. a very clearly like a character that was quite important for a few years on the TV series Home and Away, Um, He played a character called Lucas Holden, um, and he was in 363 episodes of Home and Away. Um, Whoa. Yeah, which I don't remember. I think Home and Away is um, one of those ones that's maybe on like three or four times a week or something. Every day. Um, Oh, okay. But it's a prime time soap, I think. 
Um, so he, oh, interesting. I, yeah, so I, he's on there for at least three years uh, doing that. Hmm. Um, he also has um, a science fiction podcast, which I didn't have the chance to check out this week, but it's called From Now. Um, and apparently is... Does he want to come on our podcast? I know. We should reach out and be like, please, <laughs> sir, please, sir, come and talk to us. Polite leader, would you please be on our podcast? It would be very courteous of you as a polite leader to come and speak to us. <laughs> um, and then most recently, I found this really intriguing. He plays what has to be a young Dick Cheney in this series called The First Lady, which is an anthology series oh. where they go through um, different historical moments in time and different actors play important first ladies of the past. Oh. Yeah, so like Viola Davis I didn't know plays... I, and I only know this from like the poster. Like Viola Davis plays um, Michelle Obama and then Michelle Pfeiffer plays somebody right. and then Gillian Anderson plays someone who looks to be Eleanor Roosevelt. Um I think it's an HBO one, um, so I've not seen it. Oh, that's cool. Anyway, I would have put I would have put Gillian Anderson as Hillary, to be honest. But okay, Um, I mean they've made her up to look rather (laughs) aged, so that's why I'm guessing she's meant to be Eleanor Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. But I'm not entirely sure. And this is really probably right. Well, there are other people who appear that we'll talk about. This is the kind of primary cast of characters that we need to know to understand. Mm -hmm. What the fuck is going on in this movie? Um, and actually, it's rather straightforward. So, yeah, I will say, I will say, I, I, I very often on this podcast have like genuine questions about the plot, like what WTF is happening right. in this movie. Where are I will we say in this one, like, <laughs> yeah, this one I'm good with. I mean, maybe I would say like maybe the, a couple things, but generally, like. I get, I get what's going on here. Yeah. Doesn't mean like everything's perfect, right. but like story wise, I, it's linear. So yeah. I'm okay. I'm well, it's really, again, and I think we said this before we started recording. This is mainly just, we've got a premise and we're exploring it and that's it. Like there's no more to yeah. it than that. Yeah. Um, and the premise yeah. is basically what we start with here. We've got some great title cards, um, which We've not had, I think, for a couple movies now. Um, so you did well in choosing a true science fiction film because it starts with title cards. That's how we know uh, there you go. that it's got yep. its thing. So we start with America, period, 2022, period. Unemployment is at 1%, Scary. period. Crime is at an all-time low, period. Violence barely exists, period, with one exception, dot, dot, dot. Oh no! What's coming on the next title card? We've already started building suspense. Um, <laughs> now, also, this is, I think, a good time to talk about how um, this movie is set in 2022. We are watching this in the year of our Lord 2022. Um, did that mm-hmm. feel strange? Yeah. I was like, this feels. Um like an attack like a personal attack (laughs) well yeah and the fact that we're locking down in a home like you know there was various stuff that was like yeesh too close to home yeah and i mean 
Yeah. I, I mean, I, when it said 2022, I was like, oh, yikes. Wow. Here we we're are. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and also, like, I just recently watched the newest uh, Patton Oswalt comedy special, and he was saying something about, like, the pandemic and whoever, whatever, and he's like, can you even believe it's the year 2022? Doesn't that sound like a made-up year? Like a made-up year from a movie? It does. And I was like, yeah, I just watched that movie. Yes. In fact, I just watched it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like... I mean, even 2020 felt like that. I mean, but once we... I mean, you were, we were, we're okay. Hey, everybody, we're old. Yeah. But like, we thought that like in 2000, like everything was going to blow up and we were all going to be dead Indeed. and computers like would all cease to exist. So the fact that we made it 22 years Beyond after that, that like, like we amazing. might as well put on spacesuits. I know. Why aren't we just eating paste <laughs> and wearing Lycra? all the time like everything I don't know it's a little disappointing that we were supposed to do yeah it's a little disappointing I mean I'm real pissed at back to the future because we don't have hoverboards we don't have flying cars like no all of the fun stuff they predicted in that we don't have I mean and that's I think going back to what we were saying before which is like this is meant to be a dystopian future movie fair enough but like yeah what we've gotten when we actually are in 2022 is a lot of the dystopian <laughs> shit. We've gotten a lot of that. We've gotten, yeah. you know, like weird technology that functions effect. Like maybe it's not directly going into our brainstem through a physical mechanical device. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't fucking yeah. matter. I can't not have my eyes on my phone or on my tablet or on my computer. You know, like, it's still there. Like, we're still having these, like, quote-unquote information downloads going into our brains, corrupting our minds. Like, um... Yeah, we, and we've had catastrophic... Uh, um, natural disasters and events yes and they're you know we're getting worse and worse and coming closer and closer together so it really like you know we're living in a purge armageddon purge like, all those types of worlds we're in a purge adjacent yeah. world for sure so cool way Truly. to go movie you really got your finger on the <laughs> um next title card Blessed be the new founding fathers for letting us purge, capital P, and cleanse our souls. Blessed be America, a nation reborn. So that's also scary because that is very, that sounds very religious to me. It is. Like. It is precisely that. And we are, and we are going in that direction in this country and that is scary. Yeah, uh, I mean, again, this is all meant to tell us without beating us over the head with it, like, because there's a different title card that could have been, like, the American government collapsed in 1994, and then, like, blah, 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 or whatever. Um, But instead of doing that, they've just provided us with this phrase, which tells us, new founding fathers, nation reborn. Ah, so there was some sort of major kind of Everything collapsed. yeah. And now we're in this yeah. vaguely Christian, or probably more than vaguely, situation. Um, and, and the way that I, <clears throat> the way that I read it, which is where maybe people thought it was like politically heavy-handed, is I read it as the Republicans have taken over, and we are. This is what we are now. 
Well, that's how I read it. I but mean, like, possibly. But if we go back to when this was being <laughs> written, probably in 2011, 2012. That might not have been the, that might not have been been what they meant at that time. It might have been more along the lines of like tea party people who were not necessarily true Republicans at that time. Like the tea party hadn't fully But that's even scarier. I mean, the tea, well, the people who are in charge now are even more nuts than tea party people, honestly. But, um. I know, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, but like, you know. I, I don't know that this was necessarily meant to be Republicans per se. Um, I know. It probably it wasn't, was, but that's how I read yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair enough. But, like, I kind of think of this more as, like, these are true religious zealots who are these new founding fathers. Yeah. Um, so, because, like, my whole thing is this, uh, and we don't normally get political on this show very much, but I'll just say this. I, of the 2022 of now... Um, I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of the um, conservative politicians, not only in the United States, but here in Australia and elsewhere, um, I don't think they're actually mm-hmm. religious um, in their home life, in their personal life, in what they do on their own time. I don't think most of them give a shit about like what God would say right? or whatever. Um, the, po- well, the point yeah. of this is that it is politically expedient. They would say that they were, though. Well, but it doesn't, but it doesn't, it's what, what they put out in the world is one thing. What they do is another. And what I'm saying yeah. is. Agreed. They're using that as a battering ram. Yes. For, to just get power. At the end of the day, all they want is power. Yes. And it doesn't matter yes. how they get it. And if this is the way to get it, then that's what they're going to do. And they're going to say that they care about this bullshit. They don't care about of this course. bullshit. Be precisely yes. because. Please. When, the, and this is my proof inside the world of the movie. Um, precisely because when the purge actually begins, one of the rules, one of the only rules is that if you're a government mm-hmm. official of a certain level, mm-hmm. you can't be purged. So Exactly. Exactly. And that's and that's the evil and that's that's where I feel like <laughs> where we sort of are, like the realness of where we are in America and the world, I guess, right now. I think it is very real that the that the government without this sounding like too weirdly like conspiracy ish, like the government does want to pit us against each other and keep themselves out of it as if they're the saviors or they're the, you know, godly ones or whatever. And then, you know, because that is, that is what's happening is like the citizens are, you know, infighting and the government can just stand there and be like, we're innocent. <laughs> well, I mean, and that you is know? where, well, yeah, that's, that's where like. I will say that I think is precisely the drive of the conservative parties in the world is to make complete division. Yeah. Um, whereas the yeah. liberal parties are desperately trying to be like, please just, I don't know, please do <laughs> anything. Can you, but uh, in the same vein, we can't do anything, but please give us five more dollars. You know, like, yeah. and I'm like, the, Jesus I feel like, Christ. I feel like the, the liberal party, I know the liberal party overall or progressive parties is literally like Oliver on the street being like, please, sir, can I have some more? And then I, and, and then like, I'm a mean, the, and then I'm a mean person who's like, 
homeless child. Could you fucking do a tap dance before I give you more of my goddamn money? Because I sure have given you a lot and you're still fucking here on the street corner. So when is my money gonna do anything? Like, come on. Okay, so you're, so you're, all right, so you're Fagin. Got it. I'm um, not even Fagin. <laughs> no, Fagin's no, no, Fagin's good. He's. This is, I think he leads the rest of the other the right. guys. No, you're like you're Bill Sykes. I guess I don't know. <laughs> um, this metaphor is falling apart. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the reference. Um, I know that. The, the <laughs> basically what I'm saying is I get we emails just it, multiple but. times a day from various liberal party people saying please give us more money and i'm like i won't give you another goddamn dime until you oh, actually no. do something like maybe yeah i mean that's, that's an fair abortion protection bill or anything like just look do like anything. you're capable of doing anything to stop the juggernaut onslaught of these dipshit assholes sorry uh Okay, I need a minute. Yeah, we could go down. We could we could go down a whole rabbit hole yeah. there. But, but yeah, I don't. I don't. Halloween. I don't even really believe in. <laughs> the, what I was just gonna say. This is the Halloween episode. Halloween is fun. I like Halloween, and I like this movie, <laughs> and I want us to have a fun time. So let's okay. just continue on. Let's continue. Um. So. We get these two title cards, and then we dive into footage from all over the country of different purge feeds, um, and various different cities yeah. and towns are called out as a part of this. Um, then we end up in James's car. He's on the phone, driving home, talking about security systems. It becomes apparent that's his job. He's the security system salesperson. Mm. Um, and he's done the best this year. He is the top seller. And I guess they must mm -hmm. do, because of the way the purge works, they must do their kind of end of year um, or quarterly kind of reports to correspond with. Yeah, their quarters might be different. Yeah, because the purge always happens on um, the vernal equinox. So Mid-March, it's Yeah. Well, it's yeah. always March 21, 22. That's what the footage also shows, is it's always March 20, oh, 21, okay, 22, okay. which is when the equinox happens. So it's always the start mm -hmm, of spring mm -hmm. is when the purge begins or when it happens. Hmm. So I guess for this mm -hmm. company, they must be like, you know, night of purge is when we tally all the sales from the previous year, you know, yeah. and go on. So he's yeah. the winner. Um, we also see as he's driving by... People putting out bouquets on their lawns. We learn that this is a sign that you support the purge, even though you yourself are going to barricade yourself in your home. Um, we also, on the radio, we hear various commentators saying things like, um, this purge has, has always been and really about um, victimizing the poor and, and the undesirable, right? Um, and so that's... Oh, they outright say that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. And then that also continues through... That's a theme throughout the movie. Um, and then people are also calling in with their purge plans. 
Um, and we hear yeah. multiple. That seems strange to me. Like saying what you're gonna do, yeah, and advertise advertising your crime. Well, because. Well, and also, like, then, so, like, one of them is, like, I'm going to hunt down my boss. Right. Now, granted, this person on the radio is perhaps anonymous, but what if your boss Here's knew that. that was you? Then yeah. they're, like, oh. Or if you said, like, I'm going to kill so-and-so, like, then, yeah, it just seems like not the stealthiest way to go about well, it. Well, that's the whole thing. See, my whole thing is, is, like... I don't even think that's in the spirit of the purge. Like, having a plan to kill your wife or your boss or, like, but basically, like, quote, unquote. Right. To me, having a plan going into the day, being like, I'm going to get that fucker. I'm like, that's not in the spirit of right, the purge. Right, right, right. The purge is about random right. ass violence. Like, and. And here's the other thing about this. Yeah. The other thing about this movie, yes, because we're not, because it seems like there's really no restrictions. And I think (laughs) it might be more interesting if there were specific crime restrictions. Right. Because that makes it more difficult, I guess. Yeah. To me, I'm like, it's if what you want is a catharsis and you want this person, and that's what they all, all, whenever we're hearing about experts weighing in on this in this movie, they're like, this is about. Yeah. Kind of catharsis, letting go, hedonism, all that stuff. It's like, okay, fine. But like you killing your boss that you've been planning to kill for the entire year is not catharsis. Yeah, that's different. Um, Correct. This is about... I don't necessarily disagree with it, but I think it's not... It's not in the well, spirit it's, yeah, it's of the not, purge. It's absolutely... No, and also... Yeah, no, that seems that seems like that shouldn't be allowed. But also something that and it didn't annoy me because I understand like what this movie is, but something that I think gets definitely not looked at is we say all crime. They're saying all crime is legal up to murder, murder right. being the worst. It seems like only the only crime anyone is doing is murder because yeah. there's no talk of like bank robberies. Right. There's no I feel like that's of, actually the one that I would choose. No, I'm that and that's I feel like if what we see more often than not when there's no rules, what people are doing is looting and vandalism. And exactly. Like maybe and, you have some scuffles exactly, where you punch and that, people and shit, but like um, that goes back right, or to, like, and that's because they're getting in your way right. of looting right. or, or, or and stealing something. And that goes back or, to what we like, were saying is like how many people really and truly want to kill someone who's to say, but like how many people want to get stuff for free? Fucking everyone. Like, come on. Of course. And the thing, and, and the thing about that is like, this comes down to Obviously, the, in this movie comes down to rich people killing poor people, killing quote unquote undesirables, whatever. Right. But the thing about like, and that like, I think we're supposed to imagine like that is done after the twelve hours. Boom, boom, done. That person's dead. Technically, the streets are clean. Whatever right. you want to say, and that person is purged of that desire. It's all like done. But if I robbed a bank. At 7 p.m. last night, I'm going to still have that money. And that bank is still going to be out that money the next day. But I can't be charged for it because that's a crime and I'm allowed to do it. I feel like that's where there's some gray area there in terms of... I mean, because this movie, it's a horror movie. So they don't really explore the fulsomeness of like what 
does it actually yeah. mean to have a lawless anarchic society for 12 hours? Like what yeah. the fuck yeah. would be happening? Um, because there's a lot more fallout. I mean, obviously like the dead people dying, right? but there's, I think a, like you were alluding to before, like there's a PTSD factor. If we're talking like violent crimes are allowed, you know, again, we are going directly to murder. What about sexual assault right. what about like other things that could potentially be uh you know just as illegal and just as horrible just you don't end up dead right well like, i mean there is a brief suggestion that the polite leader wants to rape zoe he does imply yeah but then that. he's gonna kill her too right so right, right, right and i'm sure that and i'm sure that that is part of it within this is like people doing both in tandem but like what if somebody's quote-unquote yeah yeah their oh, you yeah. know need to purge themselves was specific to just that assault and then that's good well right i don't know it's just there's a lot of and not that i want that to no not there's that just I a want wider to that frame movie, but of like things people could get involved in and then as well like yeah even just in terms of like like this society would have to be very, very good at rebuilding every year. Yes. Because it's like, yes. again, what we would really expect to see is like property damage, arson. Yes. Like people yes. drive. Like what if I, hey, I can drunk drive all fucking day and night. Totally. Um, I, can, I can drag race. I right. can, you know, like... That is maybe more what I would do, too, is, like, some crazy... Actually, I, I probably wouldn't because I'm not, like, a daredevil. But, like, it, you know, all... Yeah, like, there's just a... Yeah, there's a lot more to be explored. That other stuff isn't as scary and isn't as, like... I mean, that's the thing is <laughs> I just feel would like... create a different atmosphere for a movie. Right. I actually feel like it. it is kind of scarier because it's, like, this is indicative that society has shut down like there are no rules uh you you don't know what you're gonna if you walk out on the street you don't know literally you have no sense of what you're going to be running into this is actually a society you know what that is extremely regulated because it's like you get it starts at this time you do this thing all anybody seems to want to do is just fucking murder each other's asses and um (laughs) and most of that is targeted at people that you despise for whatever reason, yeah. And, but like the structures and the kind of buildings and the financial system and the everything, all of that seems to remain intact. You know, um, which yeah. is just like and as well. And the other thing that I- go on. Sorry, I was just like I'm caught up on the fact that they also say that police, fire, and ambulance services are not are unavailable happen. at yes. this time. But WTF do you do if you go into labor during the purge? If you have a heart attack, like... I guess technically uh, you could drive to the hospital? You're fucked? I mean, yes, you are. I mean, I guess. You are, but you could... If you had a Mad Max-style armored car, you could drive to the (laughs) hospital, and presumably in the hospital, you might be okay. I don't know. Is there like, who knows? I don't know. That's scary too. All the nurses are going around killing. I know. Everyone. I know. That's that might be a movie. That, that might is be a one. movie for sure. 
Um, but no, I mean, this is a very <laughs> narrow vision of like what this actually means. Um, and I also was thinking yeah. about if it's about like if if the overall message is like people and the polite leader certainly says this quite clearly. Um, like if this is about truly just eliminating the unwanted and the unneeded and the vulnerable and the whatever from society, how many years of purging can there be? Like, um, eventually all of the street people are going to be gone. Like, um, yeah, no, there's definitely got to be an end game. Like it's, it really doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like something that could be that sustainable to me because you're also going to get, then get into like, yeah, I just think it's a lot messier than what was ever intended for it. Certainly. So now we've talked quite a lot. We've barely gotten to the movie. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) we're at, we're at the very opening moments where we see the purge. We learn it is March 21st, 2022 at 5.58 p.m. It is 62 minutes until the start of the annual purge. We enter the Sandin family home um, where we learn that Zoe uh, and James are having tension because Zoe is dating an 18-year-old, which James feels is too old for her. It's not entirely clear what Zoe's age is, um, but for whatever reason, an 18-year-old boyfriend... I would guess 16 or 17. Yeah. But the fact that he's angry about it maybe means she's 16 rather than 17. I mean, maybe even 15. Um, Yeah. Because I I don't know men... Even though technically it's statutory rape, I don't know many parents who would super be upset if their 16-year-old daughter were dating an 18-year-old. Like, um, but I guess I don't it know. depends. I guess it depends. To me, it probably depends on the boyfriend rather than the age of the boyfriend. But, um, yeah, it could also depend on, like, if we're talking, like, junior, senior, sophomore, sophomore, senior, or even, like, someone who's out of high school. Right. Like once you're out of high out school, of high school, school that seems a little yeah, creepier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now I think probably James's feelings about this guy are spot on, as we'll see later. Um, <laughs> and this is when we see there's kind of the way we get exposition in this movie is through um, the radio, through TV, through newscasts, and this uh, Mary's watching a news broadcast where there's like a scientific looking man in a lab coat saying that humans are inherently violent and that's why (laughs) the purge exists again i think we've kind of circled around this and what we were just saying i don't think that actually human beings are inherently violent um you know like if left to our own devices i don't think i think some are yeah sure um but i i think most people when left to their own devices are not immediately going to be like let me like punch someone to death or what you know like that's just I don't really know that I agree with this but um yeah so here we are um up in her bedroom Zoe and her boyfriend are making out um and this is when we learn again or it's reiterated that there is tension here because um the boyfriend is not liked by her family um mm-hmm. 
And then we go kind of outside of the Sandin home into the world of the purge where various neighbors... You know what? What? Sorry, I just was thinking, (laughs) as we kind of alluded to, this whole purge thing has turned into lots of people using this the purging hours as ways of exacting revenge on people they don't like. Yeah. I feel like in a world like this, where I knew this was possible, I would be really careful about who I pissed off. I mean, that's, I think, the implication, right? Is like when that title card says violence is way down, crime is way down, unemployment. Like, I think that is how these people and the experts all talk about is like you get out your negative feelings, and then the rest of the year, mm-hmm. you bottle them all up. You know, like, and... And that's not healthy either. No. Any therapist would tell you. No. But I think you're <laughs> right that it, like, it, what it does is it creates this kind of culture of anxiety of, like, I, even the smallest slight can be perceived yeah. as something that somebody might... And false. Right. And so I have yeah. to be extremely kind of careful in my interactions with people, which would make it seem as though on the surface everything's really lovely, which is exactly what is yeah. happening in these interactions with these neighbors, right? Like, so yes. Mary walks outside yes, and you can exactly. tell, you can tell, oh, I hate people who are like this, who are like, well, you should always say hi when I'm passing by, you know, and I'm like, why? Why should I do it every single time? I mean, I'll be nice, but like sometimes I might not. Like, why am I held to this standard? Um, and then Grace, the weird <laughs> blonde neighbor, comes over and she's made cookies. She's so made weird, cookies for the whole neighborhood. Um, she's got a real creep. I hate her. She's I hate got her a real a lot. creep vibe right from the start. You know what her. You know what her vibe is, and, like, I know, like, uh, political, blah, 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 but she is, like, she screams Trump lady to me. And like, just, like, Karen. Just, just, like, pure Karen. A Karen. Yeah, Karen. Like, just so, so fakey. Like, just, yeah, She's I do not almost like almost Stepford wifey-in in the way. Yes. Like, it's like yes. you see her eyes inside of her face and you're like, those are fucking crazy eyes. Um, yes. But she's like giving you these cookies and I'm like, has she poisoned those fucking cookies? Like, what? I know. And see, that's, I wouldn't trust anyone. No. In this world, I really wouldn't trust no, anyone. No, and especially, I already knew something was weird because when she walks up, um, she says, oh, that's such a beautiful addition to your house. The whole neighborhood has been talking about how, you know, um, we bought security systems from your husband. So it's kind of like we paid yeah. for that addition. And I was like, oh, you better watch out for yeah. this bitch. Like, she's nuts. Um, she totally. also does. Well, and you can tell that you can tell that that Mary lady is like, oh, 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 yeah. don't hate me. Yeah. <laughs> and as well, like. They're already the odd ones out in the neighborhood because Grace always has a purge party that she clearly never invites them to. And she so then Mary was asking, like, are you having your annual purge party? And she says, oh, no, 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 I'm not having that this year. And you already know it's a lie. It's like a complete mean girl, like, oh, no, I'm not having anyone yeah. over to my house. And she's not making eye contact with you. And you know, it's like, of course you are. You, yeah. you just not invited me. Like, come on. Um 
And no, thank you. I don't want to go don't, anyway. Oh, so. I don't want to party with people like that. No, 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 no. Not on any night, but especially, and especially not on, on a, a night purge night. No, I don't really want to be around. Again, I don't really want to be around people, and especially anybody who's like in. Ooh, uh, that's an interesting. In, do you uh, think like drugs yeah. or alcohol? Do you think that the thing to do on purge night? is to go like way out like do you rather than a security system is the thing to do is the thing to invest in like a very remote cabin where like nobody would be near you I mean you'd still have to really um, kit it out with security and that stuff, seems scary like, that seems scary in a different way but like maybe Maybe that's the way to go, but like and make sure you do not tell anyone oh you could no, I, I, I'm not no, you could never. But Tell. then again, but then again, your home could be very easily vandalized, burglarized, like, but is that maybe worth it? It's kind of like, <laughs> in terms of like recent events, it's kind of like having a purge night is sort of like preparing for like a hurricane or right. a natural disaster where it's yeah. like, what do we do? Do we, do we get leave? the fuck out yeah. of here or do we hunker down? Right. And I'm and I'm not really sure what the answer is. No. I mean, I definitely would be somebody who is hiding as opposed to like out hunting because just like no thank you. But um I Yeah, it's what it's it's a tough thing because when other humans are the are literally the danger you want to be away from them but there's also something inherently creepy about being alone being in a remote place too yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know what the answer is but i wonder if that might yeah, be a solution either. so yeah it might be time passes we are now um getting to the time where it's about to be 7 p.m so that means the lockdown procedure needs to begin now, of course, because James sells security systems, he has the, the security system that he sells in his own home. So they go into this, like, mm-hmm. office room, which I always, I kept fit, wanting to think it was a panic room, but I don't think that it is. It's just kind of like yeah. the central command of the security system. Which is wild that they don't have know, a panic I know. room in a house like this with a security thing. I know. Well, I mean, they he really even should. says later that, the security system that he's installed is more about looking impressive from the outside and not necessarily being actually impenetrable. Um, and that well, clearly I not. Mean, clearly not. <laughs> but that's the whole thing. Is I think a like I'm not a prepper or a survivalist <laughs> or anything, but I feel like it's a real mm-hmm. misstep, like an obvious misstep. Like that you're built, you're putting all these big fucking um, like portcullises, drawbridge bullshit over your windows. Mm-hmm. You're doing all this kind of stuff. You don't do a panic room? No, that's why I just, I don't, that I don't, there's something wrong there. But I guess this is, that's the point, right? Yeah. Is like, this is all flash, not a lot of substance. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they start doing their preparations. Um, they realize, because they have these all, outdoor cameras that grace the weird neighbor is indeed having a party that they weren't invited to um and then the emergency broadcast system kicks on saying that the purge will begin starting at 7 p.m um and that as we just discussed technically all sorts of crimes 
are allowed, although it does seem as though the focus is always is murder for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> yeah. But there are some caveats. First and foremost, government officials um, of a particular kind of, they give them a grade. Like I want to say it's like grade 10 and above, whatever that means. Um, yeah. Are not to be purged. Um, and then, Ooh, I wonder if that means like, you know, like Senate, Senate people and above, but like Congress people, I don't know, go for it. Maybe election year answers that question. Um, maybe (laughs) also, I thought this was interesting. They also have a weapons prohibition. Like there's something like grade four Mm -hmm. weapons and above also not allowed. So I'm not entirely sure what that means, but my guess is it's probably stuff like you can't use like rocket launchers. You can't use like, even though you could purchase some of these things in the U.S., certainly as a private citizen, you know, like, so probably what the distinction would be is like, you can't have military grade material on this night. You can have rifles, you can have knives, you can have machetes, you can have any, but like military grade stuff is not going to be permitted in this circumstance. Yeah. Um, and what would happen? I'm curious. Like, <laughs> if someone had an assault rifle or some banned weapon, what do you suppose would be the fallout from that? Well, I think probably... Because there's no police or anybody out on this night, so no. couldn't you just be like, that wasn't me, that wasn't that, that was... I think, well, because this is a, obviously a very surveilled society, as we learned even from the opening credits, Yeah, I think what you could do is if, say, somebody killed you with a... or killed some family member or something, or a neighbor with a prohibited weapon, then that probably would be prosecuted mm-hmm. because there's so little that crime. Be, they yeah. have all the time in the world, yeah. you know, to do that. That's true. So I think that's what would be the downfall and perhaps is what keeps people from using those weapons is like then because... I will get my ass yeah, handed to me. because as well, like the purge for all that it, we just were saying, like what's in the spirit of the purge or not in the spirit, but like... The point is, like, it's meant to create an, an extremely law-abiding society the rest of the year. So anything that would not fall into that category couldn't be tolerated, right? Like, if you did kill the mm-hmm. president with a rocket launcher, you are getting your ass handed to you by the legal system. Like that kind of stuff could not be permitted to exist in this system. So Mm. I think that's probably what would happen is if you could prove it, that would be the key. You'd have to be able to prove like, this was my coworker. I saw my other coworker kill them with a prohibited weapon. And, and I have proof of it that that would be how it would work, I guess. Um, Mm-hmm. So we also learn as things are locking down that Mary and James have never purged. They don't seem to be interested in it. Um, and we and there's no backstory there either. Um, but I wondered when I was hearing that, that I was like, oh, maybe like there are people who um, technically like are objectors to this practice, but they can't like say that yeah you know so it's just like we we do all the motions but we don't participate in the actual purging 
Um, but they end up, of course, yeah. totally engaging in the purging because um, up in Zoe's bedroom, it turns out that her boyfriend hasn't gone home. He has remained in her house, which, again, she doesn't know because she's young. But as soon as he popped up from out under her bed, I was like, this, your dad is right about this guy. This isn't good. Like, this guy yeah. is a fucking creep. Um, and I knew, I, I knew he was like, I'm here to talk to your dad and I'm going to make him see that we're going to be yeah. in a relationship. And I was like, he's going to kill that dad. That's what he's there for. He wants to kill that. Yeah, guy. he's. Um, and that's precisely what happens. Um, we see, then things really start kind of go off the rails all at once, which is kind of wild. So um, as Zoe's boyfriend is like walking down the stairs to have this quote unquote um, man to man talk with James, James is in the office kind of trying to do some work. Charlie sees on the various exterior cams that there's a man kind of wandering down the street. Um, This man will become the bloody stranger. He's screaming for help. No one is responding. Um, Everyone's doors are covered in metal to protect them. Charlie sees this. He's kind of compelled to help this guy so he disarms the house um everyone else in the house is like what the fuck's just happened those like metal kind of um Mm -hmm. window barriers are all coming up um charlie is screaming like come 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 in the house james is running back into the office to rearm the house um in the foyer the bloody stranger literally like slides into the Sandin family home uh, as the door kind of barrier is coming back down. Um, James is, of course, mm-hmm. freaking out because now there is a stranger in the home um, and he's got his gun pointed at him. But no sooner does that all start transpiring, but Zoe's boyfriend is now coming down the stairway, shouting at James and being like, Hey, I'm here. And I forget if he actually says something like, I'm here to fucking kill you. Um, But that is the plan. That is clearly the plan. Yeah. Um, So then the kid shoots at James, but because there's all this other hubbub, um, James shoots at him, but then kind of gets pulled out of the way by Mary, I think, out of the way of the bullet aimed at him. And so when all is said and done, James has shot his daughter's boyfriend to death um and this kind of also to me was very reminiscent of like what they say about like when you've got firearms in your home you're more likely to kill someone who's like in your household than an intruder um which is precisely what happens here meanwhile in this chaos the bloody right exactly the bloody stranger kind of smartly to my mind absconds he like disappears away into this large home and he's like this is clearly a family matter i'm just gonna like be as far away from this as possible so he disappears into the house (laughs) now to be clear this is worth mentioning um the bloody stranger is also a black guy um and that is not really commented upon per se in this movie but i think is really essential Mm -hmm to the dynamics of what is happening in this movie. 
um, and kind of like along the lines of what we were talking about with Arrival, um, I think this is, and I was also watching a different horror movie last night called Master, which also uses um, American racism as a starting point for kind of suspense and terror. Um, uh-huh. And I feel like that's, I was thinking about this last night. And I was like, will someday there be a film class or there may already be one where they talk about the race horror genre, right? Where racism and race, racial difference mm-hmm. are like a component to the horror itself, right? Um, and, and explicitly so. Not like in older stuff where it's like the racism is that the black guy dies first, right? Not like that, but like that the racial right. elements are part of what makes the story work the way it does. Um, and so this, I think, right. I think this is also one of the kind of earlier movies where that's a part of it, even if it's not quite as explicit as like what would come later in Get Out and Us and other things. Um, mm-hmm. So Bloody Stranger runs away. James, Mary, and Charlie return to the office even though it's not a panic room. Zoe has run off somewhere with her dead boyfriend in tow, I think. Um, There's nothing she can do for him, obviously, Mm -hmm. and they can't call an ambulance, as you've pointed out. Um, As all of this chaos is ensuing, Mm. Charlie starts to notice that there are people walking up to the house. Um, They're all wearing weird masks. They're all dressed like preppies. Um, and the so-called polite... I don't like the mask thing. The masks are very off-putting. Um, and the so-called polite leader comes up to the front door. And I thought this was kind of telling as well. He's so confident in what it is that he's doing. He doesn't even wear a mask. Um. Yeah. And he explains through the camera that's aimed at the front door... Um, that they're part of basically, for lack of a better way of saying it, a hunting party, and that they had already started to try mm-hmm. and attack the bloody stranger, but he had gotten away from them. And so basically, their purge is going to be ruined if they can't actually kill this guy. Now, again, I don't know what the whole spirit of the purge thing is meant to how it's meant to be and like what we're doing and whatever whatever but I do think like why are you focused on this one guy just go find somebody else like surely there are other people you can like adjust toward um exactly especially because they especially because like as we were saying, so many people, ha- it's like specific grudges against specific people, but this doesn't seem no, specific. As, well, I mean, maybe they're focusing on him does have some, maybe there is some sort of backstory, but we don't get it. Maybe as there's the something audience. we don't know. Yeah, we don't get it as the audience. So yeah. it is, it does feel arbitrary. And maybe that's part of the critique of this movie is it feels arbitrary that this group of literal psycho killers couldn't just find some other person choose someone else um yeah but nonetheless they're like okay if you don't give us this guy back um we're gonna attack you guys um and soon after they cut the power and this is when james reveals that the security system is a lot more looks than it is protection 
Um, so James is like, okay, um, I will give you back this guy. Um, but as you were saying, they have such a large grand home, it's hard to find him. Um, and meanwhile, mm-hmm. their own son is undermining their attempts to kill this guy or give him back, give him back to be killed. Um, because Charlie doesn't seem cool with the whole purge thing. And so he actually guides yeah. the bloody stranger using this weird robot um, that he's made into this funny hiding space, like a crawl space yeah. that he has. And so um, I think it's both actually James and Mary who at various times are searching throughout the house trying to find this guy with no success. So after some time passes, the polite leader is like, why haven't you given us this guy back? Um, and, you know, the more you're not giving him back to us, the more in danger that you are. Um, and he says, you know, I've now called for equipment and soon we are going to be in your house. We're going to kind of, um, break your security system and then we'll be in there and won't that be bad for you? And in the context of saying that to them, Mm -hmm. he also shoots one of his companions right in the fucking head. Um, And he's like, I even liked this guy and I just killed him. So what do you think I'm going to do to you when we get inside? Right. So not great. So they're even more compelled. And this is where my typed outline ends because I ran out of time this week. But like basically... They're even more, let's say, motivated to find the bloody stranger in their home. Um, and it turns out that Zoe is the first family member to find him because she has been wandering around the house for whatever reason, and she's decided to go into the hiding space <coughs> that Charlie had already told the mm. bloody stranger about. So all of them encounter each other in, I guess it must be Charlie's bedroom, the bl- the bloody stranger has taken Zoe as a hostage, um, and he basically is like, "I'm not gonna fucking die tonight, and if I have to kill all of you to stay alive, then that's what I'm going to do." Um, mm-hmm. In the struggle about kind of how this is gonna play out, uh, James manages to knock the bloody stranger out. Um, but also Zoe is unconscious somehow. There's like quite a struggle and I don't really, I, ne- I didn't catch who was punching and what was going <laughs> on. Um, but basically what this amounts mm-hmm. to is that they're down in their own living room. Mary and James are using duct tape to tie up the bloody stranger. Um, at, but he kind of comes to as that is happening And so um, he starts, like, you know, doing what people do when they freak out. He's, like, bucking back and forth, like, doing a kind of tantrum situation, like, two-year-old tantrum on the floor situation. Uh, James is trying to hold him from behind Uh so that uh, Mary can continue to tie him Mm -hmm. up. Um, And, you know, so he's, like, he's got a wound put this letter opener in the wound. It's like all pretty terrible. Um, Yuck. They do manage to get the bloody stranger into a chair and then duct tape him to the chair. And as they're doing this, you can see on Mary's face, she's like disgusted with herself. 
disgusted with her husband. And she's just like, is this like what we've come to? (laughs) Are we really doing this to this guy? Yeah. Um, And it's interesting because, um, you know, I guess there is a there's a lot of weird parallels to the quarantine time of pandemic, I think. And um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and in this case, what this is, which many a person who was in a couple, a romantic situation and and also not romantic situation, (laughs) anyone who was living with someone during the pandemic would reach these moments where things would be happening and all of a sudden you'd look at yourself and be like, is this really what I'm doing right now? Is this really me <laughs> now? And and then you would look at the... Uh. And that in and of itself is a bad realization, a not great realization, right? Is like, is this what I've been driven to? Is this what I have become, <laughs> you know? Um, but then I think, so that's, so like, cause I was alone in the pandemic, living alone. That's, I would experience that sometimes. But I do think yeah. it's sometimes somehow worse when there's someone else there. And they are as bad or worse than you. They are involved in this behavior, whatever has happened. <laughs> and then you look up at them and it's like, and this is what you've become? And I am somehow having the misfortune of being connected to you? What? You know, like, and, yeah. and that was the look and the feel that she was having in this moment. Like, I have married this man and had two children with a person that I am now seeing writhe around on the floor with a houseless man who is just trying to stay alive, and my husband is trying to actively get him killed. You know, like... Um, yeah. It's... <clears throat> I mean, I think that's an... I hope, I hope that that's an extreme feeling that people didn't have during the pandemic, but it I mean... I mean, I don't think it was about the murdering seemed- someone, but I do think the pandemic no, revealed things about people with whom you lived that you maybe would have oh, been sure. good to never know about that person. <laughs> sure. I mean, and just, I mean, the the constant being together thing just, like, brings oh, it's out it's not good for it's not personal good. foibles. I just, I don't think it's good for anybody to always be around everybody. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there may have been people in the pandemic. Who knows? Like, the, that's like just looking at someone and being like, wow, you're lazy. Or, wow, like, we have nothing to offer the world right now. Like, that might be one thing. But <clears throat> what if you looked at your person and were like, wow. I trusted you for 20-something years. We had kids together, this and that. And now you're going to look at me and say vaccines don't work? Correct. I can't with you. Exactly. Like I- <laughs> Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, well, and I think that's actually an apt analogy because basically she's like, this man, this white man I've married has now fully bought into the thing that I thought we both didn't like together. Like... Right. And right. and now he's been completely fucking radicalized 
And, yeah. you know, at the... And I mean, it is. That's the thing. Perhaps this movie didn't work at the time because people couldn't believe that this was how stupid people fucking <laughs> were. But, like, you know, this... Ethan, I don't think anyone has trouble believing how stupid people are now. Correct. Um, and that's maybe good. It's maybe good... Maybe a therapist would say the first thing one must do is really understand oneself and see oneself for what they are, right? And if we sit around thinking that the lowest common denominator of human is still like nominally intelligent, we are making a, a catastrophic mistake, clearly. Um, <laughs> right, but the problem is self-awareness, I think, because those that are the lowest common denominator, as you say, don't realize it. No, no. They think they're the highest common denominator, generally. Exactly. Um, yeah. But, like, you know, to me, it's, like, so apropos. This middle-aged man with a family <coughs> is actually radicalized mm -hmm. by a young fucking preppy college kid who just has nothing but time to sit in his ear and egg him on. You know, like... um, and you're like, yeah, God. So anyway, in this moment, this actually does, unlike what I think happened in some marriages, um, <laughs> James is like, you know what, honey, you're right. You're right. I feel bad about this. I don't even recognize myself anymore. Um, we're not going to do this. But to not do it means we're going to have to kill all of these other motherfuckers who are about to penetrate our home. <laughs> so listen, here's the plan. We don't kill this guy. We just kill these other 10 people. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Now, it is yeah. one of those things where you're like, okay, is it merely a numbers game? Or is it like killing 12 bad guys is a net positive? Right. Killing... A person who yes. I don't know whether they're bad or good for my own survival is a net negative. So I should just kill and I get that, 10 but it just, or 12 people instead. Yeah. And I get, right, and I get that, and I think that is true. I think, like, morally, like, killing 10, it, what's, actually, I'm not sure, but, like, killing 10 bad people, is that equivalent to killing one not bad person? Maybe, but the only issue that I would have is the logistics of killing 10 people is, is a lot. more difficult. Yeah. Well, and they don't really do, so, and in the end, they don't really do the bloody stranger much favors because though they decide they're going to fight these people and they tell the kids to go down in the basement and hide, um, they don't untie the bloody stranger. So I'm like, he's left a bit like a snack if anyone is to run across this guy, because um, he's still taped up. Lucky for him, he's been sweating so much, he's able to, like, jiggle himself out of the tape. Um, mm -hmm. But the purgers then um, kind of... Um, now I'm forgetting what the word is. It's not penetrate, but there's a word that when you um, have a perimeter and you break it, there's some special, like, strategic word that I'm forgetting right now. But anyway... Um, they break the seal into the home. They start coming in through all the different windows. Um, and this is when um, we really see Ethan Hawke buy into violence 
in a pretty intense way. Um, basically, he seems because like Mary Lena Headey's Mary doesn't seem really actually capable of killing anybody. I think she maybe kills one person in this yeah uh, she's encounter. Um, I would say she's. I would say she's meant to be like the moral compass right. of the movie. So then we see him encounter a variety of different purgers in different locations in their home. He manages to kill them all, mm-hmm. uh, which is really quite <laughs> impressive. Like uh, I have in my handwritten notes, Ethan Hawke kills four people in a row, exclamation mark. Um, so he really jumps. <laughs> I mean, and I guess what I, to make this make sense, I suppose, character arc wise, is like he was already willing to kill that bloody stranger guy. So he's already, and he has, yeah. and he has killed the boyfriend. So he's already gotten to a place where it's like, I'm, I, I am a killer now. And we don't know his back, we don't, we know, don't his know his backstory story very much. Like, um, he is a killer now, so like now, why not? If I'm if I'm already gonna feel bad about having killed people, why not kill these mm-hmm. people who are actually bad as well? You know, like to protect my family and myself. A hundred percent. So that's what yeah. happens. Um, as that's happening inside, and you're like, oh no, the family is probably not going to survive this. We see that the purgers who are standing outside, who are part of this hunting party, start getting taken out one by one by seemingly this other mysterious group of a hunting party. And we don't really know who they are. Um, mm-hmm. And... As Mary seems like she's being cornered by two of these purgers, she's finally saved. And the reveal is, is that their neighbors have come and have started shooting up all of this hunting party that has tried to take over the house. Um, Yep. They, the neighbors... um, bring the whole family into the foyer again. Um, And it seems like for the most part, the hunting party has been completely um, dismantled by way of being dead with the exception of the polite leader. (laughs) Um, The polite leader is the last to survive. He walks into the foyer um, and it turns out that Zoe is the one who shoots him to death. It seems. Right. Um, so then, right. this, and in the, and in um, his encounters with the various purgers, it looks as though James is going to die. Um, so the whole family is together. They're in the yep. foyer with the neighbors who seem to have saved them. But unfortunately for them, uh, <laughs> the person who is at the forefront of this neighborly group is creepy ass Grace. Um, and she reveals that the whole thing is that these outsiders weren't going to kill you. You're ours to kill. We have hated you this whole year as you keep having more and more money and you've bought a sailboat and you've bought a this and you've bought a that. And we resent you for that because that's our money that you're using, which is an interesting logic, um, to say the least. And so... Uh, this group, yeah, that, 
Yeah. Yeah, this group of neighbors starts tying them up, and this is when Mary kind of activates, let's say, as a bit of an action person. Um, Because James is out, he seems to be dead on the floor, and she's like really freaking out, (coughs) shouting, being like, let me save my children, Um, don't kill them, you hated my husband and I, Um, my kids have nothing to do with it, and they were, and the neighbors, particularly Grace, are just like, well, it just can't be helped. We're very sorry. I mean, yeah, technically, I suppose the kids. Uh, <laughs> She's so you know, creepy. Like, I hate her so yeah. much. This is when this is when she reminded me of like she kind of she reminded me sort of of like the vapid people on like Fox News, sure. like all the blonde ladies on there yeah. who just like have that. Or, or I mean, I guess it's Stepford Wifeian too. Yeah. yeah. But just like, yeah. Yeah. Now, just as things are about anyway, to go... she's creepy. She's extremely creepy. She's an excellent actress. She does a great job. Um, now, just as things look <laughs> like they're about to go real wrong, um, good old bloody stranger pops up out of the background, um, <laughs> and he manages to kill a couple of the neighbors and neutralize the rest, in part because he takes creepy-ass Grace hostage. Um, and then there's mm-hmm. like the turning of the table. It takes their guns. Takes their guns. Um, they yeah. get tied up and then, so they're tied up and he kind of turns to Mary and he's like, do you want to kill them? You know, like you still got time, even though the sun's coming up, there's still time. And she's like, I fucking refuse. I, like these, almost as though like to kill them would be too good for them somehow. Um, because that is yeah. creepy ass Grace even says, just kill us and get it over with. Like they're ready, like that's what they're prepared to right. deal with. Um I, although yeah. I guess you don't really deal with death, you're just dead. Um you know, like you can't Ugh. Ooh, that's another idea for a great show. Therapy for the recently deceased. Um where you're like Whoa. coming to terms <laughs> with it or something. Whoa. Um that presumes an afterlife, which I'm not I don't think exists, but nonetheless, interesting premise. Um, Yeah. But so she's like, no, there's enough killing today. I'm not doing it. And it it is one of those things where like, again, this goes back to like the fucked up nature of the society that is operating, which is that now for the next year, these people are going to have to act as though nothing bad happened between them. You know? Oh, they have to move. Like somebody they, yeah, in that someone, group has to move. I, I think the whole like, neighborhood should just be dismantled brick by brick and like start over from scratch with different. I mean, people. if I were Mary, yeah, if I were Mary and those kids, I we're moving like a hundred percent. This is the house where my husband trusted. got killed. Yeah, yeah. This is like everything's everything's fucked up. Like we got to start over. Yeah. So the final moments of the movie are everybody sitting rather awkwardly in the living room. Um, It's getting to be close to 7 a.m. when the purge will officially be concluded. And crazy-ass Grace tries one last time for one of the guns that's, like, sitting on the table in front of everyone. And finally, Mary manages enough gumption to where she, like, takes the gun and, like, slams her right in the fucking face with the butt of the gun. I think she, she, is that what she does, or she slams her face into the table? Oh. Oh, I, I thought, thought it was with the butt of the rifle, but it could be 
It could be both, I suppose. Maybe she did that first. And maybe she did that first and then slams her yeah, head into the table. I, that sounds right. Um, she ends up with a very bloody, very bloody. nose <laughs> afterwards. It's clearly going to need yeah. some plastic surgery. Um, so then the alarm goes off saying that the purge is over and the various neighbors like, it's like, okay, you can untie yourselves. Like we're all leaving. It's again, it's a very awkward vibe. Yeah. Mary's like, get the fuck out. (laughs) Get out of my house. And so they leave. She then turns to the bloody stranger and says, thanks to him. Um, and again, this is also kind of awkward as much as they've like shared some sort of meaningful connection There is no expectation like it's and I mean, maybe this is for the best because it would probably made the movie seem even stupider. But it's not like he's a part of their family now or anything like he's leaving to his own devices. And I forgot to say this earlier. He also at one point you see that he's got um, dog tags on. So he's clearly Mm. a former vet. Well, he's a vet. He's a, Mm. you know, um, former soldier, which is perhaps why he was able to escape these people in the first place, to be as, like, kind of clever as he's been this whole night and to help them and be capable of helping them. He's a good hider. I mean, he hides a a great deal of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So he goes off to whatever life he will have subsequently. We start hearing kind of the, oh, I just learned this word. It's, like, diegetic, I want to say, is the name. Hold on. I want to... Diegetic. Is that like voiceover for the end of the movie? Yeah. So diegetic sound is um, when it's supposed to be in the world of the movie making sound. So like, for example, Mm. like when movie characters are listening to music and we are listening to the same music as they are listening to, that's called diegetic sound. Oh. Um, So here the diegetic sound is the siren's and helicopters and the sound of like normality returning is kind of like the final sounds Mm -hmm. that we're hearing and then it changes into the sound of broadcasts of like it's post purge we're taught you know 24 hour news cycle we're talking post purge for the next you know and i do oh my god can you imagine well i do know i remember that um one of the newscasters and i think it was even a woman's voice says like and now what a bummer we have to wait 364 days for the next purge so we really ought to talk about it now like as though it was like this fun ass Oh, gross. Thing. Yeah. And they said it was most most successful, and I'm curious what that means. Well, right. And then one of the other little clips you heard was that um, someone was like, yeah, it, I, I can't remember the city, but it was something like Dallas or whatever. It's like we saw – we were covering like downtown Dallas, and there were 200 people purging in the whatever plaza all at once. We've never seen anything like that before. And I'm like, God, what was that? <laughs> like That is horrifying. I, I do not want to know that. Um, and so that's the end of the no. movie. Um, and I would say, I don't, like, I quite liked it. You chose a good one, I think. Um, it was short, very short. Um, yes. Which is also good. Did that on purpose? I, I know. <laughs> I knew you, you, both of the movies Whenever you selected it, were quite short. <laughs> I know. Because I don't, I, I specifically looked at, like, I forget other ones that I, like, thought about, and then I'm like, too fucking long. Like, 
I actually one of them was the new Jordan Peele one. Nope, I was thinking oh, yeah, about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I then, am curious about that. And then I saw, and I want to watch it, but like on my own right, time right. because I looked at the runtime and I was like, uh, is nope. it two hours? <laughs> That's a little too long. It's like two hour, two hours fifteen. I think. Whoa, even that is a real nope. I'd say to that. Yeah. Um, I might be wrong about that. But yeah, so this, I definitely, I was like, ooh, 85 minutes. I'm in it. <laughs> yeah. And it really, I think it used its 85 minutes well, um, for sure. Yeah. And in general was, to me, a successful movie. But before we get into that, um, yawns and eye rolls. In terms of yawns, one yawn is yep. I was on the ball watching this the whole time. Couldn't take my eyes away. Ten yawns is like, I just, absolutely not. I was staring at my phone the whole time. What would you give it? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> in this viewing, I had seen it before. So I don't know that I was like as on the edge of my seat or um, deeply in it as maybe the very first time. Mm-hmm. So maybe a two just like. Because. Sure. I could always be a little bit more focused, I suppose. (laughs) Um, But I was in it. Yeah, and I'd give it a one. I thought, again, it really took what it was doing um, to probably as much as as could be done. And um, I think we've talked about this a lot. I really wish that as a culture and society... We could all somehow tell, I mean, and I feel like we've been telling them on every movie podcast I ever hear, this is a complaint. I don't need every movie to be two hours. I really don't. Zero percent. And I Never in a million years do I need that. And I really, like, and some movies really can't be two hours, but they draw them out anyway. So this I really liked of, like... A hundred percent. You've got this premise... It can be developed for 85 minutes, and then it's, that's yeah, it. And it gets right to it, too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, I was watching a movie, I think it was last night, and it, this one, I'm not, I'm not going to complain about it, but, like, I did find myself, it was another horror movie, being like, okay, they've, like, really, like, taken a good long time before any kills happen here. Right. And, um, and that's fine. That yeah, can it work, can build the tension. For... Right. It can. It it works sometimes, but, but especially for a horror movie, especially for something like this movie too. Like, just get into it. We don't need a whole bunch of like right. build up. We can we can get there. Right. And again, I mean, that's the thing. Is like, if it works, then just like this movie, you can build out the world from this premise if you like, um, and if people yeah. are interested. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong. I mean, this is a multi-part thing I'm going to say. It's like, one, there's nothing wrong with not making a franchise, part one. Like, just have an idea and let it be a singular idea. And also, Mm -hmm. subsequent to that, is like, there's nothing wrong with there being a movie that is 85 to 95 minutes, if that's all that it needs to exist as a story. It is ideal, in fact. (laughs) Please I, make it I 85 say, to 95 minutes. Uh, because I'm doing my like Halloween movie viewing this month, one of the cool things about many horror movies is they're rarely over 95 minutes, even the good ones. Like, 
they're just I know. like well maybe this is why i like horror maybe that's like <laughs> that's part i like the genre in general but it's also like just like they tend thing. to be right to the point yeah. so then in terms of eye rolls one eye roll is i totally bought into this world it didn't seem far from reality at all and 10 eye rolls <laughs> is like this is like truly nuts and i i struggled to even figure out what was happening what would you give it mm. i mean is it terribly pessimistic to say one on this I, like yeah i know it that i maybe not one i'll say like two to three just in terms of like oh, let's hope we don't get there exactly right but i feel like we're on a path <laughs> and i do feel i didn't feel i can't remember when i watched this the first time but I definitely felt this time that this is not so far-fetched. Yeah. Like, I, I really don't think we'll get exactly there. Like, yeah, hopefully, yeah. Jesus Christ. But it really didn't seem so out of the realm of possibility in my mind. Yeah, I agree. I would give it a one. And like we've been saying, like, I think the reason why this was perceived as kind of not or heavy-handed or stupid or over-the-top or whatever at the time was because things hadn't quite devolved to the point that they are now. <laughs> and as well... That's so sad, but yes. And as well, like, one of the things we often talk about on this show, which is, like, because it was only set nine years in the future, people couldn't imagine how this could happen in such a short time, right? Like, that's yeah. that's one of the things that's difficult. Yeah. Like, we've talked about it. It's like, are you giving yourself too much time or too little in the future? Like, how far are you going to go, yeah. right? And so people yeah. at the time probably were like, there's no fucking way, you know? And I agree with you. I, I really strongly, even per what we've been saying, I don't think that this precisely is where we're going. Yeah. Um... But yeah. the the themes that are raised are are very much on par with where we are yes. now. Um, but what I am saying is like um, as things have gotten increasingly um, unbridled, as resources seem increasingly scarce, um, all of us have been very much inured to um the sufferings of others and um like particularly yes, with yes and particularly with the kind of growing laws in the US of just like snitch culture in general um you know mm -hmm. like uh snitching on your neighbors about if they're getting abortions or if you think they might be getting an abortion um but also like right using this is a whole new thing that has been happening lately. Apparently various states are using song lyrics that rap artists use as proof for criminal uh, intent. Um, and so that's kind of a part of it. Like, what? yeah, snitch culture there. And then as well, like even just recently, I heard that there's a, a new law in New York City, which is that if you see someone parked in a bike lane, you know, like a car parked in a bike lane, and you report it, then you get a cut of the fine that that person's going to pay. So it's like encouraging snitching. Oh, again. Jesus Christ. Um, 
So, you know, like all of that. I did not know that. Yeah. So all- I'm about to go. I'm about to go outside and get me some money. Exactly. That's exactly the whole thing. So anyway. No, I'm kidding. I wouldn't. Um, I would never. You know, you know what, though? I, here's the here's the truth about like snitching. I don't have the goddamn time. Well, like, and, I and, really, I, and I'm not even like a busy person. I just I truly am like if there's anything lower. I don't want to do the paperwork. Well, I don't want to do the paperwork. But also if there's anything lower than any crime guy. It's the person who isn't a crime guy who's hoping to somehow profit off the crime guy by yeah. telling on well, them. I'm like, listen. Yeah, and well, again, it's like this Karen culture. Yeah. Uh, and I apologize to anyone named Karen who doesn't like to hear that over and over. But like, it's that like nosy, busybody, like, what are you doing? Right. Like, how come, you know, there's, it's so, that's so obnoxious. Yeah. Just like, everybody mind your business. And go about your day, please. Right. Don't. And again, it's like all part of these little resentments that I'm going to collect and I'm going to use these yeah. going forward and I'm going to get your ass. You know, like, so, um, yeah, the purge was spot on in, in all of these respects. <laughs> um, and if that's not a Halloween indictment, I don't know what is. Um, but so yeah. ultimately then just by way of wrapping up, I think I know the answer to this. Um, did you like this and would you recommend it? Yeah, I would. I mean, not, it's not going to be everybody's thing. If you're not into violence, you're not into like dystopian futures, like maybe not so much. You're not a horror movie fan. Fine. Uh, but yeah, generally I would. Yeah. And I feel the same. I would say that for us, this is an unreserved, uh, we liked it. We recommend it. Um, certainly good for the Halloween season, but also could be watched at yeah. any time. Um, and so all we can say mm-hmm. now by way of conclusion is happy Halloween to you all. We hope you have had and will continue to have a spooky, spooky, spooky season. Um, and <laughs> I guess that's it from us. And we will... Oh, I'm Sarah and this is Amy and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.